I set high goals, and I think that's how everybody should be. I think that's the standard Coach Harbaugh sets, and I think it's a, that's the standard you know we're used to around here. Seeing the bigger picture every day and not worrying about um, how you want to feel like temporarily, but think about where you want to be down the road, that's definitely something that I've had to change. If I'm not flipping you off or trying to fight you, then I probably just don't think you're even worth my time. So. <laughs> Welcome into the lounge. We have another episode with some great guests for you today. Yeah, we do. We have tight ends, Crockett Gilmore and Darren Waller. So these guys are here working out, uh, getting ready for next season already. And uh, we convinced both of them to come up here, stop by the lounge, and hang out with us for a little bit today. They're pretty easy to convince. It wasn't Crockett, too tough. wasn't too – Crockett can be – you know, Crockett, he loves to give you the, what do you want? Kind of, you know, <laughs> he but, but he, he was good. I love Crockett. I like both of these guys. Really good guys, really uh, interesting guys. And, and I'll tell you, the tight ends have been really buzzworthy lately. I mean – Crockett made some waves with some comments during Super Bowl week, and just last week there was some reports and a rumor out there that the Ravens could possibly balk at Dennis Pitta's contract for next season, which would create an opening if they did do that for Crockett Gilmore, Darren Waller, Nick Boyle, some of those guys, Max Williams. How many tight ends do we have on the roster? I think, what, is it 30? Are we up to 30? We might be. Half the team is tight ends right now. (laughs) We'll see if they convert any other wide receivers to tight end. That would just bolster the number. Uh, So, yeah, so... Two interesting guys right now that are in the news and, and heading into the combine. We also thought Darren Waller would be an interesting guest because dude's a freak, almost yeah. as freakish as me. So we'll just pass over that. Let's read an email here. <laughs> uh, this email is from Paul Nicholson. This is an interesting email. Uh, actually, a longtime Bengals fan. Ooh, from Scotland. Wow. How uh, the hell is this guy from Scotland become a Bengals fan? I'm not sure. Well, we have a lot of you know international Ravens fans, but he's a Bengals fan from Scotland. He said he got into our podcast after watching Justin Tucker's "Can You Smell Up Dog" press conference. You remember that <laughs> earlier this year? Somehow he saw that. Then he saw that Tucker was on the Lounge, uh-huh. so he clicked in, listened to the Lounge with Justin Tucker, and now he's subscribed and listened to the podcast every single week. Nice. So uh, that's a roundabout way, but I like it. Exactly. So I emailed him back and I told Paul, "Thanks uh, for." You know, listening, and he said, "Well, keep listening, and if you guys get yourself across the pond for a Ravens game, he might even buy us a beer." Here we go, so, another pitch. So there we Podcast go. Paul is trying London, to make it baby. happen. You know, the Scottish Scottish guy wants to get us over there, going to buy us a pint. So another reason to get across the. Do the we pond. have to wear a kilt if we have a beer with him? Sure, I'll wear a kilt for a beer. Sure, I'm yeah, down. I'm down. We'll take a photo. When in of that. Scotland? When in Scotland? <laughs> I mean, we won't be in Scotland, but anyway. <laughs> so, without no further ado, let's welcome in Crockett Gilmore. Crockett, appreciate the time. Absolutely. So, Crockett, we got to start off with this thing. You were at the Super Bowl a couple weeks ago. You made a bold statement. You probably saw some of the headlines out of it that you kind of told the other tight ends they can enjoy the bench next season because <laughs> you're going to be on the field. Kick rocks, guys. Yeah, pound sand basically <laughs> is what you told them. So my question is, can we get any more bold statements like that out of you today? Potentially. <laughs> nice. All right, now it's our job to work for them. we got to work for it. <laughs> in, in all seriousness, though, I mean, the, the thing you said there, it's clear that you're confident about next season. I mean, that's kind of at the crux of what your, your point is. Why do you feel so good going into next year? Uh, I think I've always had that, that confidence. I don't think guys are at this level that don't have confidence in themselves. Um, as far as my personal opinion, it is an opinion. <laughs> um, and really, ultimately, it's my job to get myself ready. Um, I haven't finished the season the last two years, so obviously there's some aspect of 
you know, getting through the year uh, healthy. But at the same time, you know, we need everybody. And I understand that. And I was simply saying it's it, that's your mentality. That's my mentality. That should be your mentality. Um, and if it's not, then you shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not a Raven if that's not your mentality. Um, across the board, you know, I think I, I think I learned a lot of that from Steve um, in his time here. Uh, you know, to come in, I kept my mouth shut my first year, watched OD, watched Pitta, uh, do everything they did, um, and and really just fought to be on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve kind of took me under his wing, uh, allowed me to you know learn and see things differently, and now having Eric here, uh, it's been a huge you know, step for me to, to be around the greatness. You know, that's what I call him when I see him every day. So, <laughs> uh, looking forward to another another big year. Uh, but ultimately, you know, it's going to take everybody. But I do have that, you know, attitude for myself. Um, you know, I set high goals, and and that I think that's how everybody should be. I think that's the standard Coach Harbaugh sets, and I think it's a, that's the standard, you know, we're used to around here. So follow-up question then. If you're healthy, are you the best tight end in the NFL? On in the universe. <laughs> Here we go! Yeah, we're trying to get the bold statements out of him. He's thinking. He's thinking. <laughs> Give it to me. No, I wouldn't say oh! that. I, I think everybody brings something different to the table. Uh-huh. Um, I think Darren Waller has the potential to be a Hall of Fame tight end. Nice, all right. Um, He's got things that I'll never have. Uh, one of them speed. Uh, <laughs> I get open, but it's... It's a tight window? It's Jason Witten style. I'm tricking him. <laughs> um, but, you know, Jason's going to be in the Hall of Fame too, so... Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody has their, their niche or their, their way of doing things, but I, I think we've got some guys that can really help this team. And no, absolutely not. Not even... <laughs> Top ten greatest ever, nothing like that. <laughs> Probably not even top hundred ever. Um, but I'm gonna go out there like I am. You yeah. Know, mentality wise, that's that's just who I am. Um, and and I and I look forward to playing with these guys. Darren Waller runs around them and past them. You run through them. Yeah, but he, he's fixed. He started to realize it last year that he can run through anybody. Oh, and all right. There was a few he's times. He's not small. No, we weigh the same. Yeah, you know, 260 plus pounds. Right. Uh, he he he, big, yeah. he moved and and finally stuck his foot and ran right some, through somebody. And every day the kid was just making leaps and bounds from where he was to to where he ended. So I look forward to really getting to work with him more this year. So right. I didn't realize until you just said that that uh, said this that you and Steve Smith were were pretty close. Uh, you know, everybody sees the Steve Smith that's. Scoring touchdowns and telling you how terrible you are and telling you your your mom should cry for you. <laughs> and I thoroughly enjoy all those things. <laughs> Who doesn't? We all enjoy that part, part, Steve. But to have a guy that you respect, respect you, um, just for really being a prick, because that's all I was when I was a rookie. Um, you know, I had a coach that was a prick, and I loved him, and... Steve understood our relationship there, and and he took care of me, uh, made sure you know I wasn't getting lost in in the shuffle of being a rookie or, or anything like that. Um, there was a lot of times that 
you think you're not very good? And he said, you know, just keep fighting, just keep going, keep working. And it was subtle, it was things like that. It wasn't much to have that guy who you watched for a long time do what he did and to be as good as he is. I mean, there's there's no question he'd come back next year. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, to have, have a guy like that, to, I remember the day he broke his wrist, you know, in the game. And my dad said, what? Steve just broke his wrist, and we're, we kind of, and he was still talking, and I was like, dude's a stud. When did he break his wrist? <laughs> that, that was when he was at Panthers. Oh, yeah. the Panthers. You know, I was okay. like, shoot, I don't even know if I was in high school yet. Yeah. I was like, did he break his wrist this, like, during his Ravens no, tenure, and I didn't even was, know about it? It was uh, bad. Yeah, talking to the guy with a broken arm <laughs> as he scores a touchdown, and is still talking to the guy. He, he kind of looked at it and just kept on. It's like, holy cow. I mean, I, I remember when I think about you, I always go back to it was the 2015 like training camp and off season and all that stuff. And like you were just beasting on everybody. I mean, it was insane. I mean, it was like if they, we were doing red zone drills, it was like balls go in the crocket. And you were just winning every leap ball, jump ball out there, just just beasting on everybody. So that's how I always picture you. Like, that's who Crockett Gilmore can be. Just get this guy healthy, right. you know? That, that's, that's been my struggle, you know? Throughout the injuries, you're trying to fight to get that injury, and so keeping everything else up. And that's why I've had a number of different injuries, not just one thing. Right. Um, so now to have a full off season, I mean, I've already seen a night and day recovery phase. Um, mm. it's, been, it's been awesome. And the guy, I mean, almost all the tight ends are here. So I'm getting to be around these guys, and they're, they're getting to be around me. And I, like I said, this, this, this group's going to be exciting. What was their reaction when they read your quote from the Super Bowl week? I'm sure they said something to you about it. Yeah, they had to say something. Um, <laughs> they know I don't really care what goes out. And, <laughs> you know, if I'm not flipping you off or trying to fight you, then I probably just don't think you're even worth my time. So. <laughs> yeah. so our goal by the end of this is to try to have Crockett flip us off or fight us. Is that, that the goal here? You might not want that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Even Definitely two, not fight. Even I'll, two take two the, I'll take the middle finger. <laughs> we'll be, I don't want the fight. It won't be the first time we get flipped off. won't be the last. No, it's very true. So, so going back to last season, how, you know, you had the shoulder surgeries by basically this time last year or whenever it was. And then, did you ever feel good last year? Because then you had the hamstring in the middle of the season. Like, did you ever feel healthy? No, because I got down so much weight-wise um, from the f- fracturing my back that the end of I that season. I left that one season, out, too. Yeah. Um, so I was down 225 pounds, 226 pounds. And so I was so worried about getting big. I didn't eat right. I didn't take care of myself from that aspect. And then I pulled my hamstring in camp. That was the first one. And then, you know, nothing. It, I just never felt comfortable. Throughout the year, that hamstring continued to bother me. Uh, ended up tearing it, you know, twice. I think I came back for practice for a day and did it again in a different mm. spot. So mm. the, it, was, it was a lot to take in. But at the same time, you go in, you get another MRI, and you realize, like, okay, you just came back from a torn hamstring in three or four weeks. Like, that's something people don't do. Right. And so that one was healed, but we have a tear in another spot. It was like, all right, we're starting over, but we've shown we can get ready again. So 
I think it was after the second one. You know that 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 week, I was like, okay, I got to go back. I got to eat right. I got to take care of myself. That from that way, not worry about the weight. Because um, there's, I mean, my weight's always fluctuated, but in terms of just being as strong as I can be, that's all I, I need to take care of. Mm-hmm. And the rest usually takes care of itself. Um, you know, I feel good uh, through that process. The next four weeks, we got healthy. Um, we we're looking forward to the playoffs. We didn't make it. So I think I got a jump start there going into this season. So was it difficult? Obviously, when you're hurt and you're trying to get on the field and you're just trying to work your way back, it's difficult and it's frustrating. <laughs> was it hard last year, as happy as you are for a guy like Dennis, to see him have the kind of season that he does and then see Darren Waller kind of emerge and, and Nick get back and play? Was it really hard for you, knowing what you're capable of, to be stuck in the training room or on the bench because you can't play and then watching these other guys kind of pass you up for no fault of your own other than the fact that you got hurt? Uh, no, because I, I've been around ball enough to know that those early reps for guys like Darren and Nick and Max are going to make such a difference. And, and Dennis is, is Dennis. He, he continues to have success after the injuries he's had right. and, and everything's gone through. Um, and I look forward to Ben doing the same this year. So there, there's so many guys that can do so many different things in our room. And, you know, I really get to sit back and learn from them off the field. You know, you don't get a 13, 14-year vet like Ben and not be able to talk to him. Um, so there's different aspects that I was able to learn from. And like I said, Eric's been a huge asset throughout everything you know even when I was just doing practice stuff by the end of the year he said you know you look different you feel you're feeling better yeah so we had conversations there and I really just got to you know tag along with him a lot and you know follow him around and see how he does things so it's always good to be around a guy that's played as long as he has and acts like he's 12 and comes (laughs) in with excitement and you know the energy um, that some guys don't have ever so it was all as much as I want to say it sucked, and you know, there's always some growth out of you know the down and the dumps crap you go through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you can you run through the list of injuries that you've had since your professional career has started? Because I don't think people really understand the scope of it. Well, there's just a lot of stupid things. Like my first day of camp, my rookie year, I break my pinky. And, you know, you can't miss time your first year. Right. Um, and just just stuff like that. So it's there's been pinkies, there's been torn calf, um, two torn shoulders, fractured back, uh, three hamstrings last year. Uh, you know, and that's just the big stuff. You know, <laughs> right. that's not the you know the bruise, days, right? daily aches, whatever. You know, it's, it's always something. All right. I feel like you're like RoboCop at this point. Yeah, you're kind of. Just like a machine put together, <laughs> you know? Just <laughs> kind of strikes you that way. But anyway, I want to stop talking football a little bit and talk more about Crockett Gilmore, the man from Amarillo, played Bushland High School. <laughs> you got to tell me, you got to tell people, we've had conversations about what it's like there, <laughs> but you got to tell the listeners what it's like in Amarillo, Texas. Because <clears throat> you're a proud Texan. That probably is the one proudest. thing for sure. Absolutely. You might be the most proud Texan. <laughs> That's tough to say. All right, so what's Amarillo like? It's it's a different way of life. It's a little bit 
slower mm-hmm. as far as there's not any traffic. Even when there is traffic, like I go home now, and it's like, this is traffic, really? <laughs> <laughs> These eight cars are traffic? <laughs> it's awesome. I love it. And it's just open, as open as any Toy Story movie you've ever seen, as <laughs> fake as the clouds look, it's, that's what it is. It's just open. And there's just land, and I love it. Land and then a big old football stadium. Big ass football stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys have one of those huge, like, kind of Texas? For football? our size school, yes. I mean, I don't know exact seating. I'm saying 5,000 for yeah. a town of 1,000. I don't even know what right. you call it a town. I mean, people are lined up on the fences. Mm-hmm. Stadium was full. Yeah. I picture you, once your playing career is done, that you're going to go. I could, I could see you living on a ranch in Texas on like 100, acre, 100 acres of land. Absolutely. That's shooting what, everything that's what, that moves. That's my goal. <laughs> Speaking of shooting, we got to get the story about your proposal. Go ahead and let the, the listeners know about that one. Um, this is July 2015, 4th of July. Yeah, the 4th of July. I'd been planning it for a month or so. So my wife's best friend, who's known for telling secrets, uh-huh. knows. And she's coming down from Colorado with one of my brothers and my now in-laws and everybody's hiding in Weston Richburg's barn uh-huh. on his property and we're going to go out to the gun range and shoot like I always do when I'm home. So nobody it's not it's not weird that we go do this. Right. And I had my dad make two panels with tiles and you shoot out each individual tile and then behind it is Happy 4th of July. The second one you shoot one tile, the first tile and the whole thing drops. And that is Haley Marry Me. Oh, nice. That's cool. Unfortunately for her, I got a new gun that week, and I didn't sight it in, so she took a few shots to hit it. <laughs> <laughs> so by the, I think the third shot, I'm like, shoot the one! And she's <laughs> looking at me with a fully loaded AR-15. <laughs> I kind of regretted that for a second. <laughs> and then, of course, she finally shoots it, and... I'm down on a knee, and she looks at me, and she says, oh, my gosh, I have a gun in my hand. And I said, yeah, I gave it to you. <laughs> so if you say no, just go ahead and pull the trigger. <laughs> End it for me. Just blow me away right here. <laughs> and of course, she hands me the gun and, and you know, says yes. So th- then her parents and everybody pull up on gators and nice. had some champagne. Is there any concern, like, if she doesn't like the ring, that she's just like... <laughs> so not that that's her voice that right. was a Saturday I had been messing with her for like a week about rings and uh-huh. telling her like yeah we're gonna get married but I had no she had no idea uh-huh. so there's a little pawn shop in Amarillo that sells old old junk mm-hmm. I mean there's some nice things but things I knew she would hate <laughs> so on Friday uh-huh. I was like, yeah, we're going to look at these rings. I talked them up, made them seem like they were just the greatest thing ever. Uh-huh. They probably had as much dust on them as West Texas does. <laughs> we got in there, and she's looking at this stuff, and she's just shaking her head. And I'm like, I'm going to pay for this one today, but tomorrow we're going to be good. Because <laughs> already ha- I'd had the right. ring for a month. Right, right, right. You're just setting those expectations low. That's a smart play. Oh, she yeah. was so mad. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so then when I pull out the exact ring she wants, nice. it was great. Dude, I didn't, I didn't know you were such a romantic with the tiles, the ring. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a nice play. I mean, and the people coming in, you know, from out of town. I wouldn't you take you for a romantic. We, we might have to cut all this. So no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I, so I want to ask you something about one of your uh, your buddies on the team, Brandon Williams. You know, that's kind of, you guys, are you guys right next to each other, Lockers? You're yeah, kind of in the same. Well, uh, Jimmy's, Jimmy's between, between Jimmy's us. Jimmy's in between. Yeah. Okay. Boulder guys, you know. Yeah. All right. <laughs> right. See you. So you guys are kind of right in that same area. How, what are you, are you in Brandon's ear trying to keep him here? Because we would not be mad if you do that. Do everything you can to try to keep him around. I'm in his ear. I'm always in his ear. Good. Um, and I'll tell him just like, you know, I'd tell anybody. It's got, he's got to do what's best for him. Sure. Um, you know, if they back the truck up for him, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for him. <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, you know, it's about him. He's worked his tail off to get here. He's gone through a lot of injuries, a lot of different things, uh, to be where he is. Well, I got. I have one business idea before we let you go. That I got to bounce off you. So we were talking about, you know, going, you know, after your playing days are done, you go back to Texas and whatnot. So I think we should start a business together, me and you. Okay. I got this from looking at the construction going on outside the building here. Okay. I've actually got something to tell you about this. It's gonna be funny. Crocker may already know this, but I'll let you finish. Ooh. Yeah. All right. So I have <laughs> just I want to like operate the wrecking ball out there and like those that big heavy machinery like the front loaders, all that bulldozers. I want to operate that stuff so bad, right? So what our business is gonna be is we just set up like temporary structures, old cars. We let people, we get a bunch of heavy machinery, you just let people drive that stuff and just mess stuff up. I'm just saying you just go to town, like for bachelor parties, can you imagine this? You just go in there and just explode cars and just run over stuff. Maybe you like kill one of your friends in the process, whatever, <laughs> you know? What do you think? No, absolutely not. Why? <laughs> it's a huge liability. The insurance will be high. Exactly. I agree. So and it's a not lot worth of the cost. The overhead getting the heavy machinery, but I think you probably have some connections on that kind of stuff. And he's got the money. And he, exactly. That's you're the really money guy. For. You're the money guy. I'm the ideas guy. Absolutely not. Ugh. Well, I, I thought you would be one guy that would actually <laughs> well, agree here's, to this. Here's what I was going to say is I found out after we were talking about this that these th places exist already. You've been beaten to the punch. No. Yeah, that's what I heard. I was about to throw out the patent pending, so for anybody that yeah. wants to rip me off right now, <laughs> I, but I've already, I'm already ripping somebody else off. Yeah, these things already exist. So you've been where beaten. around I think here, like in Las Vegas and like those kinds of places where there's land, you know, like out west, where you and they have, let you drive the big heavy machinery. I think so. So I, it's feasible at least. It needs I, to be started up. In I don't. I don't like people. <laughs> he doesn't. Want Especially me. That's an issue. <laughs> awesome. Well, Crockett Gilmore, thank you so much for your time, buddy. Absolutely. We appreciate really appreciate it, it. Thank you. Thank you. So thanks again to Crockett and Mink. I'm sorry that your idea for the whole construction zone thing. Dude, that was a bummer. It's I really already happened. He was the guy. I know. Perfect candidate for that. But he's not interested, and it's already happened. So bad news on both fronts. But they don't have one in Maryland. You can work on that. <laughs> good, good luck with that. All right, now let's uh, welcome in uh, tight end Darren Waller. Darren, we got to start out because we talked to Crockett Gilmore in our last interview, and we got to talk to you about this because he had a pretty good quote. This is pretty flattering. <laughs> he said that Darren Waller has the potential to be a Hall of Fame tight end someday. The potential. He's not saying you're there yet. <laughs> but just wow. what's your reaction to that? Wow. Um, Crockett's one of the guys that's um – Really like had a lot of faith in me since I got drafted. Like, who's always like told me if I just work hard and do the right things and stay out of my own way that I can uh, be really productive for the Ravens. Mm -hmm. And um, 
for him to say something like that, it, uh, it really means a lot to me uh, because he's a guy that's seen me through my ups and downs and like still trying to work and try to find my place here. Right. We joked with Crockett because he normally makes comments where he says that you know you guys can enjoy the bench while he's on the field. So for him to say that you could be a Hall of Fame tight end, that's really saying something. Yeah. Um, wow. Coming from Crockett, yeah, that means a lot. <laughs> but with uh, with Crockett's quote, um, like I take no offense to it because like last year was really frustrating for him, and it's a big year for him, like contract wise in his career. So then I don't want a guy on my team that's like, yo, like I'm trying to be on the field because that's going to push you that much harder. Right. And I mean. You can take a guy like Ben Watson, for example, like when he was with all his teams and being the number one guy, he wasn't coming out and directly saying that guys are going to enjoy the bench, but like through his actions and through like how he prepared, that's what his game was telling people, like, I'm going to be on the field, things like that. Right. Crockett went about it in a, diff- in a different way. <laughs> Crockett just puts it out there. Crockett went about it in a different way, but I, I've seen him, like last year was really frustrating for him, and he's played at a high level here before, and he just wants to get back to that level. Right. Yeah. It's kind of funny. On one hand, he says, you know, you guys can enjoy the bench, and then on the other hand, he says you're a future Hall of Famer. Right. You know? it's just kind of yeah. <laughs> so just how do, you, how do you kind of look at this tight end situation? Because there's just so many guys, so many talented players. Very talented. Um, I mean, I try, my, I try not to look at it at all. I just try to focus on, you know, being a good teammate, number one. Um, if there's any ways I can help, help guys out, I'm going to do that um, because I feel like good things come back around to you. Um, and just focusing on the small parts of the game and then let the those things play themselves out because at the end of the day, you already know going in there's, there's going to be probably three really good football players that are going to have to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I know that I'm one of them, so I'm just uh, excited to be fighting for a spot and just taking it day by day. You know, we asked you about the Crockett quote, but for you, like, where do you see the ceiling for you? Because we've talked about it, Ryan and I have plenty of times that we look at your ability and, and kind of the intangibles that you bring, and we feel like you have all the tools to be a great tight end, you know, one of the right. best in the league. Like, what do you see as the ceiling for where you could go? Um, I just feel like I have to, like, having all the tools and everything is cool, but it's just, like, how quick am I going to be able to put them together? And it's uh, learning a new craft. Um, if you think about anybody in their life, if you're learning a completely new craft on the fly against, like, people that are, like, the best at what they do, <laughs> like, you have to be patient with yourself but also have high expectations for yourself at the same time. So just trying to find that fine line in between, like not getting too frustrated with how I'm doing or how many reps I'm getting on the field, but not, you know, thinking like I'm going to be this guy, this guy, and that. So I just got to just keep working at it every day. Mm-hmm. So just a little review on last season for you in, in your first year as a tight end. Came in, caught 10 balls for 85 yards and two touchdowns, which, did you know this, tied for the team lead in touchdowns at tight end. That's oh, been ahead too. Now, he had a lot more catches, <laughs> yeah. but you tied on touchdowns. Okay. So I, I went back and watched the two touchdowns again today, Cleveland and New England. Was that the exact same play? Exact same play, exact same <laughs> formation, exact same call. Because <laughs> I would think like one was like for three yards and the other was four yards, I think. Right. And I'm thinking if you just told me, all right, Darren Waller scored a three-yard touchdown or a four-yard touchdown, I'd be like, all right, they threw a lob ball to him. He went up and got it. Yeah. These are like route running, like shaking a, a guy and getting it over the middle. Yeah. Uh, just the, It's like a back line play. Um, we actually had that play um, back when uh, Coach Tressman was still here. Mm. Um it's just like a back line play where if somebody, like, I think one time, like, Dennis was running, like, a sit route, 
and then this, against New England, Steve ran that route, and then mm. they're expecting like those guys demand so much attention on every play. Like they're expecting, right. they expect like the free safety to come down, and that back line is open. I just had to run away from the guys guarding me. Right, right. So do you have to tell Joe though, like Joe, once in a while, give me one of those live balls, man. I'm telling <laughs> you. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't just like me, who I am as a person. I don't really like going up and be like, hey, Joe, I did this, this, and that. I just feel like. <laughs> He he studies the film. He knows where he's supposed to go with the ball. Like he knows, mm-hmm. like if I'm gonna be open and he wants to throw it to me, he'll throw it to me. Do you like the lob ball? Yeah. Nick <laughs> you know, and I go out there and play sometimes in the field house. Oh no. And I've got the lob ball technique. He's down. pretty good. I'll know, give him credit. You know, I don't quite probably have it down as well as you, but him and I match up against each other, and that's my forte. You know, I'm right. about six two. You're six right. five, six six. So that's I right. got. A little bit of height. Right. I can go up there and try to get it. get it. Yeah. What's the key? You know, I need to know this. Um, timing your jump. Okay. Um, and also another thing I would say is not worrying about the defender because um, sometimes you can like waste time like trying to get that extra nudge and you may miss the ball or right. miss time your jump. So just knowing that you have the strength to go up and get it, not worrying about. You don't have that. Oh, oh I've got strength. <laughs> <Hand> hands. <laughs> just going up, catching at the highest point. All right. Basically, you're, the only reason you're good at it is because you're playing against little shrimp boats like me. Hey, you know, at 5'11 and a half. When he catches a touchdown on a 5'10 defensive back, does he have to apologize and say, well, you know what, I shouldn't have really tried to catch that because you're a short guy. That's how I feel. Back me no. up on this. All right, that's, true. that's true. That's true. <laughs> so, so I also want to talk about, you know, one thing that kind of held you back last year is you started out with a suspension. It was right. a four-game suspension. Yeah. And uh, you were pretty open about it when I talked to you yeah. about it last year that it was for marijuana use. It right. was substance abuse. Or what is it? Yeah, substance abuse yeah, policy. I mean, yeah. uh, so just, you know, if you could kind of share with our listeners, you know, what led you to that and, and how have you changed since then? Um, I guess uh, marijuana was always something for me, like, to, uh, like, ease my mind. Like, I'm naturally, like, an anxious person. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'll think too much and, like, doubt myself a lot. And that was just something that I used as, like, on, like, a therapeutic kind of measure. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, like, I know, like, if I want to play in the league and, like, maximize the time that I have, I have to find other measures for it, like talking to people about what I'm going through, um, things along those lines, just getting, like, the professional help you may need. Right. So uh, just taking those measures to where I don't have to uh, shorten my window for what could be a good career down the road, um, mm-hmm. just trying to keep that career alive. And I know I had to change some things, so... That's what I'm working on. How hard was that to kind of change that? It, you know, because it can become uh, a lifestyle really kind of thing. Yeah, no, exactly. It can become a lifestyle kind of thing. So it was difficult at first, but um, just seeing the bigger picture every day and not worrying about um, how you want to feel like temporarily, but think about where you want to be down the road. That's definitely something that I've had to change. It's just looking down the road and not always looking right in front of you. Right. Do you feel like all that is behind you? Like the suspension, I'm sure that when you go through that, there's a challenge of. First of all, you're not around, so you're not necessarily right. you know, on the field and you can't play. There's that aspect of it, too. And exactly. then the, there's the embarrassment and the frustration of it. Right. Do you feel like now you came out there and you played you know, after you got back, that that's not even really a thought anymore, that you've moved past that? Exactly, yeah. And um, like judging by like my track record and everything, I haven't had played a season where I haven't gotten suspended since my sophomore year of college. So I'm trying to, you know what I'm saying? Break that trend. Clean up my act a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a good chance to go forward and not have any weight because all that weight, like, it kind of uh, wears on the mind a little bit. Right. Um, and you're always thinking, like, what do people think of me, things like that. But those are the kind of things I'd work on and get those thoughts out of my head and know that moving forward I can uh, be somebody that the kids can look up to and uh, see, like, all right, he went through some things, but okay, he got together and he's moving forward. Right. It's nice not to be in the doghouse. 
Right. <laughs> School Fest to be. Exactly. So on a much higher note, we want to talk yeah. about the Combine. Yeah. All right, so, so at, the, at the Combine, that's kind of where you first, you know, for people that didn't follow Georgia Tech football, that's kind of where you first jumped onto the scene. What are the numbers? You pulled the numbers. Yeah, right? I pulled the numbers. All right, so your 40-yard dash was 4.46 seconds. That's moving for 6.6? Six, six? Yeah. Okay. Are you like 6.6 six, six and a half? You feel like, I feel like you're I tall. think I was 6.6 six, six and an eighth. Yeah, so, all right. <laughs> so 4.46, four, that's a little bit faster than me, a lot faster than you. 37-inch <laughs> um, vertical. And a 10-foot, 4-inch broad jump. So when you were judging that at the time, you were working out with the wide receivers, and like the 40-yard dash, it was outside the top 10. It, you right. know, it wasn't like among the leaders. Exactly. But now, when you look back and you say, "All right, if you're judging him against the tight ends, it was the fastest 40-yard dash by a large margin, the longest broad jump, and the third longest vertical or third highest vertical." So pretty impressive numbers. Yeah. Did you feel like with that performance at the combine, given all the things, the size, the speed, all that stuff? that you were like, okay, now I'm on team's radar. Like, yeah. that was a coming out party. After the combine, I definitely feel like I, I was uh, going to get drafted, like, towards the late end rounds of the draft. Um, but, yeah, after that performance. Because before then, I was, like, probably undrafted route. Um, mm-hmm. And I just get in there and work and do what I need to do. But after the combine, I felt like I could get drafted. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like – I think – who was it that we asked – about the best athlete, it was it Tacosta or Ortiz. I, or asked, who it was? I asked Ortiz who the biggest Ortiz, that's right. combine freak we've ever had was, you and know, he it, said you. And he said you in terms of the Ravens' history. Wow. Like, you know what is every most freakish athlete that we had had at the combine. Yeah, and he said you. Yeah, wow. so pretty nice. Look at this Hall of Famer, freakish athlete. <laughs> you like, walk out of here, your head's not going to fit through the door. There are some like Tory Smith was at the combine. Tory yeah. Smith was at like the combine. Ed Reed and guys like that. Yeah, they I don't think Ed Reed put up like great numbers, like combine numbers. Yeah, he's just a football player. No, right, yeah. he was just a football player. Like Tory put up a nice forty-yard dash, obviously, but right. I don't think he like blew the doors off anything else. Yeah, just in terms of like the overall total package. You yeah, know, the, the size, size the, jump. the speed, right? Exactly. Here, so here's a question. This is something we debate. Do you think that you're the best athlete? If we're going to do like just an athlete conversation on the team, who is in, are you the best and do you, who else is in that category on this team? Uh, there's a lot of guys in that category. Wow. Got to have C.J. Mosley on that list. Okay. Um, he's got the strength. He's, yeah, yeah. he's fast. Yeah. C.J. Yeah. Mosley. Right. Um, Jimmy Smith. Jimmy's up there, yeah. Um, it's a lot of people. Um, I don't want to leave anybody off. Rashad, for sure. Right. Um, straight up speed. Yeah. He's. I mean, built. I feel like there's just athletes at every position. Right. Eric Weddle is an underrated athlete. Um, I think he had pretty good combine numbers too. Actually. Right. There's. It's. I, I just feel like everywhere we have athletes, like all across, like special teams players. Like right. I don't think you can. I don't know. I wouldn't put myself as the best. You wouldn't. Dude, Cockey Gilmore's not names. rubbing off on you. It's just, it's just too many names. It's yeah. just too many names. So. Well, wait, well, what do you – so th- there's always a debate of, like, what you classify as the best athlete because it's like if you were to go and play right. another sport, yeah. like if you were to go and play a round of golf, would you be any good? No. Too awful. <laughs> <laughs> Dreadful. So, about but, ba- I would imagine basketball, though. Yeah, I was pretty good at basketball. Yeah, didn't you play, ball? Didn't you play ball? Yep. Yeah. So it's like – it's kind of like how you transition to other sports, too. Right. That's part of it. Who do you think is a better athlete between me and Garrett? I don't know. I haven't seen either of you in action. I don't want to pick the height because exactly the height, the height could. I like this. He's a tall a guy. Sometimes. He's not biased towards height. Well, that's fine. He doesn't just. What, he, what he's going to say Steve is Steve might put me in a headlock if I. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The height. Exactly. That's well, true. you know, we'll let you slide on this one, Danny. I'm smarter than you. Better looking. No, than no, you. no. He didn't say that you're the better athlete. 
That's not what he said. <laughs> well, he, said he, he, he just gave you a pass. He doesn't want to make you feel bad. He feels bad for you after we talked about the whole lob ball thing. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Darren Waller, appreciate it, man. Thanks, thanks hey, thank you for joining thanks, us, buddy. Thank you, man. Well, as Darren leaves the, the lounge, the very beautiful lounge here, uh, just say thank you to him. And another good podcast. Two great guests. Darren, I mean, both of these guys, I think they could be studs. I really do think they could be very good players. They stay healthy. I'm with you. Both of these guys, that if they're healthy and all of that, that they could be great tight ends. Like, I don't see any reason why they couldn't be. Do you remember the, with Crockett, I always think back to that Oakland game. Where he just ran through, like, five oh people. Oh, my God. Yeah. That, that is just etched into my mind. Yeah. So let's hope we see a lot more of that and some good things from both those guys. And uh, we thank you for listening. Once again, as always, you can reach us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. Please share this with your friends. We got to get this thing bigger and bigger and bigger. Leave a rating review, and uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks everyone for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week after the combine when we are heavy into draft conversation. We have a lot to talk about. You're heading out to Indy, so you better come back with a lot of good news and notes for us. I always do. Don't, no, you don't. Don't have any doubts. I'll come back with the best. All so, right. So sure. we'll bring that to you guys next week.